0: Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Former racer turned coach Ben Clark is joining me again this week as we look back at the racing from the weekend. It was the last chance to qualify for World Cup Finals this weekend with only the top 25 in the season's rankings invited to Soldeo in Andorra. The women raced Giant Slalom and Slalom in Spindleruv meline in the Czech Republic. Whilst the men raced on a historic race piece in Slovenia, Kranskogora was the venue as the men were in action in Giant Slalom and Slalom tough snow conditions yet again ben i know you were hoping for those
1: yes that's what I always want hardest conditions possible Now it's a bit of a shame again it's that time of year now you're into spring and unless it's particularly cold the conditions will be quite soft underfoot and you could certainly see that in uh, men's races there was a lot of holes appearing in the race course uh, obviously the uh GS impacted by a start delay so I missed watching a lot of the amends because I had it recorded so I uh, had to just catch the highlights so I didn't quite get to see
0: everyone. I think um, the only person that may have enjoyed the conditions less than you was Marcel Hirscher who is finding it pretty tough in these salted spring-like conditions. He's openly talking about how he he can't find confidence in the ski and his whole technique seems to have changed we talked about early season how he makes recoveries from mistakes super quickly he moves on and off the edges like nobody else and at the moment he seems a little longer on his edges the hip is even further back than we used to see from Hirscher but normally that isn't a problem because he goes up and forward onto the start of the turn for the new turn but at the moment, his hips so far back, and he's using so much energy, having to get out of the back seat and recover from mistakes that are seemingly happening almost every other turn for him at the moment. And he is go, going the wrong way. For him, I know the titles are all wrapped up for him. He's, you know, ticked all those boxes, yeah. and, and the season's pretty much over. He's collected all the globes that he was that were on offer for him, but uh, he struggled a little bit. But who didn't struggle? Henrik Kristoffersen is carrying on that sensational giant slalom form. He took the win. Windingstad was in second. The young Norwegian and another young racer, Marco Odermatt, from Switzerland, was in third.
1: Kristoffersen three wins in a row now in Gia. So he went from not being able to get a win at all earlier in the season, being thwarted at every turn by Hirscher, to turning the tables on him now and really, really going for it at the end of the season. If he can round off the World Cup finals with a win, that'll be probably the second half of the season, he really would have wanted. and not Obviously, he, he wants to be a lot closer to uh, Hersher throughout the season, but you take four wins on the bounce if he yeah. can get them. Um, yeah, incredible from Windingstad. I really didn't see that coming from him. He is a very promising young skier and that will, as you've mentioned before, do great wonders going into the next yeah. uh, next season.
0: But he's, he's actually started to come good. He came good in Bansko. He had a good... I think it was his first run that he skied really quickly and he went back. Was a little bit on the set. No, it was. He had a cracking second run, and uh, and moved right up the leaderboard. I think he was fourth or fifth in Bansko. So he's obviously finding uh, good performance right at the start. Of the season. I think it's interesting that the two Norwegians are at the top here, and then we saw you know in these snow conditions, these dry sort of dead snow conditions that we, the, the athletes talk about, having the Norwegians that maybe ski on this type of really dry snow. That this has the same effect when you put salt through it at the top of the standings. I think it's just purely they're skiing on it loads more. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Herschel's, I don't recall
1: him having huge troubles in this kind of snow before, before but no. I don't know if the setup he's gone with this year is, like you mentioned, more reliant on him being able to drive almost a lot more through the tails whereas in that softer more dead snow you won't get the same reaction right at the end of the turns and and you and you will just you you see a lot of the racers really getting their skis sideways at the end of the turn if they just put that bit too much power down uh, they can't get off the ski as 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 easily and you see them break away and and dumping time but you know hersha to be you know 0.92 uh, of the leader in a GS race considering what we've seen yeah, it this season it was you know, ridiculous
0: what's interesting as well from a British point of view Charlie Raposo off the back of his best ever ski racing result was third in the Europa Cup in Hinterstoder which is Austria and went from bib 29 to third so classic British second run charge taking a leaf out of Dave writing's book So uh, he changed his plans last minute to make sure he was able to come to the race because he was going to go out and do Norams, unfortunately unable to get himself a second round. I think, again, we saw some huge margins from the the quickest to getting in the 30, some of the biggest time differences we've seen all season. But those conditions just make it so hard for anybody a little bit lower in the start order. And in fact, not even a little bit lower. By the time 10 races had gone down, they were having to ski through some sort of routes, which just made it tricky.
1: You see some guys uh, um, come in from high start numbers, but they're normally people that are used to starting in higher numbers Mm. and and they've been doing it for a while and they're a bit more accomplished with with skiing in those rutted conditions um, and they can have that good second run. But that result for for Charlie in Europa Cup is absolutely brilliant. And, you know, he doesn't have to worry too much about points over the summer with that lower score. Mm -hmm. He can just really concentrate on what he needs to work on over the summer, not necessarily worry too much about um, racing and and getting points down at New Zealand and then can be ready to hit the World Cup again next year and hopefully get some second runs on the board.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And then we had the slalom following that, Uh, an impressive Day of racing another race that was thwarted by warm conditions again more salt being used lots of rats going on it is springtime and Kranzgagora tends to have I mean I've raced in Kranzgora a bunch of times and I don't ever remember it being solid top to bottom <laughs> it, it's just half of the course there unfortunately Ramon Zenhausen took the win Christofferson took second place Marcel Hirscher took third place Christofferson was leading after the first run by a decent margin And then uh, just didn't have quite enough in the tank to beat Roman Zenhausen. Dave Riding went from 8th on the first run down to 12th in the second run, he skied the top half really, really well on the second run and on the first run, actually, with great tempo to his skiing, didn't he? Moving off and on his edges really cleanly and dynamically and then just rolled onto the steep and just held on a little bit too long and hit some of those ruts a bit heavier than he would have ideally liked and just found his sort of hard work that he'd done at the very top. Sort not undone, undone, but you know not as good as it could have been. But an impressive result considering these difficult conditions again and, and finishes off his season Bar the finals on a good note
1: yeah I think the couple of notes I made on Dave's runs but they were they were both good runs um, a bit like we've talked about throughout the year neither of them were outstanding like you said both top sections were really nice and, and his splits uh, in comparison to everyone else were right up there on both first and second run unfortunately the mistakes he did make just cost him a bit more time than than the guys on the podium when they were making mistakes, kind of kept their feet moving a tiny bit more. Um, but again, 12th is a, is a is a fairly solid result. You know, Dave will want more top 10s, but in those kind of conditions, sometimes those when you get your foot in the heavy snow, it does kill your speed and you just yeah. have to go from there. But I no mean, did Zenhausen beat Christofferson and Herscher? He took a second out of both of them. Uh, I have no idea... Where on earth he found that kind of time from? It looked like he'd made a big mistake, but he seemed to he seemed to uh, be able to get a, get away with a lot of speed. Listening on your commentary on Eurosport, it sounded like you weren't sure if there was a, a problem with the timing. Uh,
0: uh, that, yes, I. Uh... If I am wrong, I'm sorry, Ramon. <laughs> but it didn't look as quick as the time said. He Ramon came down with the quickest second run by four tenths, starting bib 25, in deteriorated conditions, rutted bumpy, he made mistakes. I look back at the video footage and you can see. The clock on the screen pauses before the first split. You guys can watch it back if you've got, you can't watch the clip that Eurosport have put out because it's not included there because they've, they have sort of cut it together. So you'll need to have a look at the full run and it's just before the first intermediate on the second run, the clock pauses. And I, I think ordinarily wouldn't have said anything, but with the issues that Langerie had uh, on the timing in the women's race in Crown Montana, I. Ca- I can't help but think that it didn't look right. It really didn't. I want somebody, any of you out there that have got Dartfish, which is the um, computer program that we look at with skiing to compare races. And I want you guys, can you please, if someone's got it, can you please pull up the two races? Pull up Hirscher um, and uh, Zenhuizen or... Christofferson and Zeno, and just start them at the same time, finish them at, when they cross the line, and let me just see. Because to take that much time out of the, out the rest of the field starting that late, and all like second place in terms of the, the run time was a guy that went down fourth. I think, I can't remember who it was, but it, you know, normally on a second run where the conditions are that bad, the fastest runner isn't any of the guys that win, apart from Hearshire sure, at the beginning of the season, but then the, the conditions aren't as yeah. bad. So I'm still waiting for this to change that time, and I'm going to stick by my guns. But also, with a little caveat, I'm sorry, Ramon, if that is actually right, because you did, if if that is the case, you did deserve it. <laughs> but uh,
1: do, do you want to rename the podcast Skiing Conspiracies for Ed Drake? Um, Conspiracy
0: theories,
1: uh, I've watched the video uh, you, I showed you. you the pause, I showed you, didn't um, I? Um, Yeah, I need to watch the whole run to see if it happens mm-hmm. anywhere else, but... I couldn't see where he made the time but I'd like to see a dartfish ghost mode that's or a, something like that It's a pretty see nice fence you sitting on there Picket That's um, a picket fence I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying anything about Zunhausen because he's massive and could squash me like a bug
0: well, I, like I did enjoy the picture of, uh, of the three of them on the podium If you haven't seen it, check it out, it's on Twitter of uh, Ramon top step with Hisha next to him. <laughs> Hirscher <laughs> and, and Christophson Christophson <laughs> not being able to hold his hand
1: when he re- raises yeah, them aloft. Yeah, that do, is quite yeah, a good I picture. mean, he's a
0: big bloke. He's a strong skier. I saw him skiing next to me in the summer when, when I was out doing a bit of coaching. And he's a great bloke. He's really nice with the kids as well. So I, I'm really pleased for him, as long as it's legit, but, I'm really <laughs> but I am really pleased with him. And it's nice that he's able to back up that city form and do it in classic slalom, I and mean, he talked about it in the city events that he was getting annoyed that people thought he was winning only because of his genetics and he backed it up didn't he really let's be fair so uh, uh, good on him he's had a strong season and Crash of Gore is a pretty nice one to have on your resume it's a, it's a pretty well known piece it looks quite fun to race yeah, down I mean, we've been racing there since the early 60s it's one of the earliest World Cups you know it's been there since the inception of World Cup so it's uh, it is certainly a classic and the and the Slovenian fans know it well and they they appreciate good skiing. So all in all, I think a great weekend of skiing for the men. The women were over in the Czech Republic. They started off with GS on the Friday. And uh, Petra Vlahova again, like herself continuing some impressive form in giant slalom. Vlahova won, Victoria Ravensberg second and Michaela Schifrin in third, Ravensberg Won the last time we raced in Spindler of Malin back in 2011, so it's kind of cool that she was able to, I don't know, not pick up where she left off. It's ages ago, but yeah. nice for her. Obviously, she likes this piece.
1: Yeah, I called her a couple of times earlier in the season for a couple of races, and she didn't deliver. I think she had a. She said after the World Champ, she was starting to feel some some positive signs in her skiing. So going to a resort where you've had. Good result previously is always a, is always a good thing. If you've got fond memories from a resort and you've had podiums and wins there, it does fill you with that extra bit of confidence. So it's good to see her back on the podium. Surprising not to see Schifrin on the t- first or second step of the podium. That's something we're not used to seeing much yeah, of this season. Yeah, I won a little
0: five pound bet off Mister Nick Fellows. Did you? I did. Yeah. He said that uh, I bet you he's going to be. I can't do your accent, Nick. I'm sorry. I bet you she's going to be on the podium for the second run. She's going to be in first or second. I think the first run she was undone, obviously, wasn't she? She just eased her way in a little bit and did look a little rusty. I mean, I know she didn't travel out to Sochi, yeah. like most of the other women did, actually. <laughs> Even the ones that were racing in the GS, I know that they were racing speed there, but she she didn't look herself in that giant slalom. And then, obviously, second run came back with a vengeance, but just had too much to do. And Vlahova skied the opening half on both runs quite conservatively and then absolutely ripped down the steep and across the flat it was one of the longest races for the women and both runs really tested the the ladies fitness and strength because it was top to bottom Tony we saw a bunch of the ladies fall in the finish area not like a, a big heavy fall but fall due to the fact that they were really tired and and used everything on the piece so, a couple of yeah a couple of uh, you know one
1: one twelve one twelve were the two winning times from from Vlahova and those are those are long GSs that that takes yeah and a lot she went, of and she was image.
0: winning and quickest by a considerable bit so I think the thirty was again about three and a half seconds off so you know you're skiing over one fifteen well to, to be honest with you at the end of of the race it was two point six seconds
1: just across the top ten and it was uh, and Ravensburg was only a tenth off so I think in the in in the slalom there was an even bigger gap but. Schiffrin won by Michaels, so the gap's a little bit different. But 2.6 from the top ten. Bear in mind, we've seen races this season when it's been half a second for the whole top. Yeah, we've just shown can...
0: the women how that they've more so in the speed disciplines, the top group has been separated by smaller margins. But in in the tech events, we it hasn't been the case yet. You've still got, you know, obviously we had Ravensberg in there this time, but you know you've got Schiffrin and Vlahova show, and then you've got a bit of time before the next. Small group, and then you've got another small group after that. Uh, Alex Tilly for Great Britain ended up... 28th. 28th.
1: Yeah.
0: A stable skiing from her. Not really the fireworks that we saw from her. Early season, I spoke to her coach, Noel Baxter, before um, the first run and before the second run, and he said that their challenge was to try and have Alex ski without too much thought. Because she's been... I think because results haven't necessarily gone the way that she'd hoped and the team had hoped in general that she was overthinking it and over skiing it and not putting her best ski forward and I think that was quite apparent she looked like she was really battling down there hips were getting quite a long way back she was having to move again a little bit like how we spoke with Hirscher when you let that your hip drop that far back and down it has to come up and forward because to Ideally you're starting to turn from the front of your ski boots and if your hip is a foot or so behind your heels that's a lot of effort on a long course to get back onto the front of the skis and I think it was just too much to really attack top to bottom.
1: Yeah, I think I again watching that, that second run I was kind of just jotting some stuff down as, as Alex came down it just seemed once she'd got that second run position where she had a relatively good start number I just thought beforehand of just this is it you, you know if you get a really good result now you can sneak into World Cup finals and keep the season going and it just looked like she didn't quite give it that all or nothing yeah. approach that she has done at, at times this year so a, a bit of a shame I didn't really take advantage of the of the conditions but at the same time She's now consistently getting second runs, which is something we're talking about. The likes of, of Charlie, we want to see a, a bit more of from him. So, it's a bit tough to say whether we think it's good or bad. I'm, I don't know. I feel like almost a bit a bit underwhelmed, and I feel like we could have done with just that last run just being a little bit more, uh, having a bit more fireworks. From yeah, Alex. because
0: I think the finals were in reach for Alex, and she was close. And you know, she was close, and with a really good run, she could have got herself at the World Cup finals and, I, and I, I do agree I think that she had more to give and her talent is better than where she's finished quite a few times this season I would have liked to see her go to finals and I'm sure obviously the team would have liked to have seen her go to finals so I just, it's it's easy sitting on the sidelines isn't it and saying that she should have gone a bit quicker but
1: all like I can say from what we've seen this season I, I'm fairly comfortable saying that. Alex can ski World Cup GSs with, with no problem, and it's only a matter of time before we see her start making her way higher up that finish rankings and, and hopefully uh, getting in those kind of top 15s, which will, which will really start dragging the start number down.
0: Uh, the women then raced slalom the following day, which Shifrin absolutely dominated. Wendy Holdner was in second, and Petra Lahova down in third. The first run, Shifrin was a very impressive, very stable. She never looks like she's in trouble of coming out, never looks like she's uneasy on her feet. Uh, Wendy Holdner managed to be just under six-tenths off, I think it was that she was, uh, and Vlahova a bit further back, not really looking herself, I don't know whether the day before having won took more out of her than she expected. She did say in a post-race interview after the GS that she was really tired and her recovery was going to have to be really good to get herself ready for the following day which was the slum but Schifrin on that second run as well just absolutely dominated but I thought Wendy Holdner when I was commentating Petra Vlahova took the lead and she took the lead well over Trooper and Trooper skied very well moved herself way up the list on the second run Vlahova comes down takes the lead by a considerable margin which looked impressive Wendy Holdner comes down and takes the lead from her by a long way and I thought for a second that this could be Wendy Holdner's first ever slalom win. 21 podiums it is now and still not one of them has been the top step. But then Schifrin absolutely just on fire. I really
1: really wanted to see that from that race because we've talked a few times this season that Schifrin has dominated a first run by so much that her second runs are just managing a lead of you know, eight tenths to a second, yeah. so she doesn't need to take risks. She can you know, attack on the flat sections and just maintain on the steeps, but like you said, Wendy put down an absolute storming second run and for the first time in a while, kind of put some pressure on Schifrin yeah. to where that second run meant something. And the first couple of splits, it was like, OK, the the, the, tent, the, the, she, yeah. the lead's just about the same or there or there about. She's not flying away. And then she really showed what she was made of on those last two splits, really pulling away. Um, and you've got to feel a little bit for Wendy Holdner that she is uh, having an incredible couple of years But unfortunately, she's just racing at the same time as Schifrin and Vlahova. So, you know, every time she has a monster run, one of those two's there to to keep her off the top step of the podium.
0: I've got a stat for you, stat man. You've got a stat for me? Yeah. Let's let's hear it. The last person to win a slalom that wasn't Schifrin or Vlahova was back in the beginning of March last year. Right. Who was it?
1: I don't know. uh, Hans Dotter or... One of the Austrians.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Marnie Sch- It wasn't uh, Bernadette, Bernadette Schild. Schild. <laughs> No, it, wa- it, it was Dutter, Which I think is an incredible... That shows real domination, doesn't it? It's been over a year and the ladies have raced at the back end of last year, World Cup finals, and a whole season this year and it's still Schiffrin or over.
1: That is incredible because
0: in ski racing, especially
1: in slalom, you can straddle. Anything yeah. can happen, any one day that you can either lose a lot of time or your day's gone from just a slight line error or a catch of an edge. So for those two to have been taking all of the first places
0: is really incredible. For the first time, for a long time now, GB had a racer in the ladies' slalom. Charlie Guest, off the back of her best ever ski racing result, second in Europa Cup, off the back of an injury riddled season to score that at the end is a real confidence boost for the end of the season again it's another thing that shows you how hard you've been working and the, the hard work and your, all your rehabs paid off She just missed out on the second round by about half a second more steps in the right direction yeah it's a bit of a tougher when you get to the end of the season you start putting in good results like we
1: said, we said it can spur you on in the off season but I remember having a couple of races towards the end of the season when you just want the, you just want another couple more races yeah. to to work out what it was you did that worked so well because when you've got a whole summer to think about it when you then put your skis back on for a race the next season you're like, what did I do that worked so well? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. You almost you almost want an extra few more races just to just to, just to bed in whatever it yeah. was that, that that worked so mm-hmm. well. But brilliant result for Charlie and, you know, again not making the second run is is frustrating, but similar to like we said about Charlie not having to worry as much about the point scores over the summer means you can be fully focused on kicking off the, the World Cups and the Europa Cups
0: next year. Also, don't forget to email us into the ski racing podcast at gmail.com with your standout ski racer from this season and why. With the end of the regular World Cup season now upon us, we move into World Cup finals. So, the World Cup finals, like I said in the intro, 25 best ranked races in each of the individual disciplines plus the world junior champion from each discipline so most of the time that means are 26 starters you can have any of the races that have got 400 world cup points or more going so you could and they get basically a ticket into any event so if you're alexander or kilda you've got 400 overall points means that he can start in whatever discipline he wants. So if he want if he was still going for an overall title, he can race in slalom, which he's never scored World Cup points in. You've got those options. Also, if you are in the top 25 in the world and you are World Junior Champion, that's it. There's no more extra. They don't open that spot up. They don't go right, we'll take 26 people anyway. So that's done. And they also if you are Jean-Baptiste Grange who is who is in this men's slalom, there's no countback, So if he's within the World Cup top 25, and he, and we know that he's not going to start because he's injured, they don't take the 26th person because he's not going to start. So it's cut and dry. Top 25 best ranked racers and the World Junior Champion. Or if they're already in there, that's it. That's all. It's going to be a tough week of racing. Last week of the season, we race every single discipline from downhill through to slalom and a team event, which is um, obviously my favourite. I absolutely love a team event which is going to be done by nobody we're talking about the overall titles we talk about season tour titles quite a lot of them are already wrapped up yeah we've got a few wrapped up so in the women's
1: uh obviously the big globe is long gone overall's done michaela has has taken that um completely she's also taken the slalom the GS, I think, I might have read the uh, the fifth page wrong, but I think she needs three points to yeah, confirm she's, the title. Yeah, so. she's
0: 97 points ahead of Vlahova. So Vlahova yeah. has to win and Schifrin has to not score any points, which they yeah. only actually dish out World Cup points back to 15. So Schifrin has to be within the top 15 to get World Cup points. Yeah. And Vlahova has to win. So that's virtually three of the Globes wrapped up. Pretty much. So we've got
1: downhill still open, where Schmidhofer has a has a, a pretty commanding lead of 90 points. So she only needs 10 to, sure. to take the the downhill one, which only leaves us with the Super-G in the women's, uh, where Schifrin has a 32-point lead over Virata, and Schmidhofer's pretty close in behind as well. But what'll be interesting to see is I'm fairly sure Schifrin will race this Super-G because she's specifically been managing her workload up to this point. This will invariably be her last races of the season and with a globe on the line, you would think she would race that Super G. But if she doesn't, then anyone could take it home at that point. All, all hell's breaking loose mm. if she's not racing. That could be quite an interesting one because she hasn't raced speed for a while, didn't do the combined at the world champs and now all of a sudden has this Super G to race and has Virata and Schmidhofer who've had the previous week off uh, yeah. ready to go to try and take that Super G title from her so yep. 30 point lead so what would that be her finishing below 7th or 8th and one of the others winning or something along those kind
0: of lines Sheffrin well she's got a 100% record in the Super G's this season hasn't she so you'd kind of think, do you know why we're talking about anyone else winning the race yeah <laughs> if she I mean if she doesn't win with the, that sort of strike rate she's going to be surely in the top five, which is enough to wrap it up. If Vireiter wins, 80 points for second, 60 points for third, so Schifrin would have to be second, otherwise the title would be gone. So it means that it goes right down to the wire. And what about on the men's side? So on the men's
1: side, as we probably would have guessed at the start of the year, for the eighth season in a row, crazy stat. Marcel Asher <laughs> has taken the overall globe. In the downhill, Foyt almost has it wrapped up, he's... Needs only 20 points to take the, the uh, downhill title. Paris could put a bit of pressure on with yet another dominant performance and, and a win. But like we've said, Foytz is there or thereabouts it's in moats. Yeah. You'd have to go back away to find the last time he didn't score more than 20 points in a, in a downhill. The Super G's quite open. Uh, it's a slightly larger gap than Schifrin's got. Uh, Paris has got a 44-point lead. Uh, with Kreekmeier, Kilder and Jansrund all in fairly close contention back there fighting with each other for the for the minor places. It could be quite interesting to see whereas in the last race we had the Italian set the course and Paris win and it gave all of the downhill guys a bit of an advantage in yeah. that in that last Super G round. So if one of the uh, speed coaches sets it uh, it would be quite interesting. Well obviously it would be a speed coach but if one of the, uh, I guess, Setters has Downhiller in mind rather than a more Super G-focused racer. It could could be interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, it could be interesting.
1: And then GS and Slalom are long gone to Mr Marcel Herscher as well. So pretty much everything's wrapped up for the season. But in looking at these overalls, I was having a look on some of the tabs. It was quite interesting. is seeing how many events, if the World Cup finals all go ahead, how many of each race we will have had. And obviously, speed events are more liable to cancellation
0: because they need better conditions. It needs to be safer. If you look at whose and what discipline or which side of the disciplines the person that's taken the globe tends to ski, and then you look at how many races each discipline gets, it's kind of fairly obvious as to why. If you Let's take the men's, for example. We'll talk about the women's as well. But if you take the men's, for example, there are... Here's, so here she's has won for the last eight seasons, as you just said. This season, there have been 13 slaloms, 8 GSs, only 7 Super Gs, and 8 downhills. So if you're a tech skier, that's 21 races. And if you're a speed skier, that's 15 races. Yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's a not big really fair, is that? it? Yeah. I mean, if I, I think when they place so much emphasis on... As the racers do. Everybody, you know, the big globe is the big one. Overall World Cup champion is the biggest that this sport has on offer. But no speed racer's got a chance. Not when you can score an extra 500 World Cup points in slalom Uh, as a a tech skier.
1: Yeah. And then you throw in the two
0: Alpine combines
1: that generally favor the more tech races the tech at the races. moment. Yeah, so those those numbers include the world cup finals as well. So obviously minus one of all those for for so far this year. Uh, but then in the in the in the women's it's pretty similar. Uh, 12 slaloms and eight gs, uh, six super gs and eight downhills. And yeah, so that's, that's like 20, said, 20
0: that's, races for the tech skiers and that is 14 races for a for the down for the speed skiers, so that is an extra six hundred points.
1: Yeah, and obviously we've had some cancellations and they haven't been able to reschedule. But it just shows how lopsided it can become if you can't get these races rescheduled yeah, even, in places with with, with with better conditions. Yeah, but
0: even with the cancellations, what we've cancelled one downhill, one super G this, and one GS. I'm not sure. I think that's how many hand we've cancelled for the men. Again, I can't. I'd have to double-check for the ladies. But for the men, they, they've cancelled a downhill, a Super G, which still doesn't even... And 1GS, and which doesn't even it up at all. I think the slaloms and stuff now, with the city races, obviously you've got two extra city races in there, that which we didn't used to have, in, which count for slalom points, which we never used to have. So you've got those, yet there isn't anything... Beat voice, even though he's... Skiing, you know, pretty much wrapped up the downhill title, still in there with a shout with a Super G title, is never going to win the overall.
1: What do you reckon you can do about it? You can start, if they're not going to put on more races, have more points, have like 140, 50 points for a win in downhill and Super G, if you're not going to have as many races, it needs to be at the start of the season. Surely
0: you need to have an even amount of points on offer, whether that's through races or you make them worth more, like more valuable, like you say. But, I, mean, I know that down, and I know as a downhill, a speed skier, that it's much harder to put on a downhill or a super G race than it is to to do a tech race. That's always going to be the case, and it's obvious why. But once the events are set, why not all the downhills run them as double? Well, not all of the downhills, because then it'd be shifted the wrong, <laughs> yeah, too far the other way. But run a couple of them as double downhills. You know, Vingan. Why can't Vengen be a double downhill? Or a double super... I mean, I know that's... A, maybe not Wengen or or Kittsville because they run slalom events there anyway. So they're already three-day weekends. But you could race an extra one at Bormio, or you could race an extra one at Val Gardena, Like, I know we tried to run, it, run one at Kvitfel because we missed one. They could be scheduled at the start and then it's even.
1: Could you imagine trying to do Vengen twice in the same weekend?
0: No, because Vengen was hard enough when I raced it having one go and it probably took me two weeks to recover. But I think, it, could I imagine running it twice? No. I th- but then it's, enough, it's something else to, you know, it's another skill set that goes into being the world's best skier. So the, the schedule for the next week is pretty jam packed. Downhill training is already happening as we speak. The first race is Wednesday and that's a downhill for the men and a downhill for the women. Quick calls I'll go getting wrap this up with a win
1: I am Paris best. is the hot hand but Foyt's for the win
0: well, I think Foyt's is going to take it as well. I said Foyt's yeah right? I, I agree Foyt's is going to take it the women's side of things I think Schmidhofer might wrap it up just because she's skiing well obviously but Goggia skiing I was going to say you go Goggia that's who you were talking about earlier wasn't it that that was who I was talking about I think Goggia
1: laid down a, a monster in the first uh, training run so I'm going to go with the form hand, even though training's not always that indicative no. of the final result. But uh, I'd say I'd say God you're in women's.
0: Okay, Thursday is the day for Super G, for both men and for women. Schifrin? I was, I was thinking about it. I might, I might say uh, uh, Schmidhofer for that. Okay. And for the men, I am going to... I'm going to keep sticking with Kriegmeier because eventually it's going to come off for Kriegmeier. So I'm going to go Kriegmeier. I fancy a Norwegian... You're talking about these snow, snow conditions, conditions. Uh, and and it's suiting them. Let's say Yanzerud. Uh, Jansrud Janswood sends like a decent shout. Team event, Switzerland because they're the only people that really take it seriously. France because because <laughs> you love the French. <laughs> I love <have> everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, and then so, for Saturday, Giant Slalom for the men. I don't know if I can trust Hersher anymore. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Christopherson, I think you're gonna that? stick with Christopherson. I say Pantero. Okay, yeah, I think that's it's a. Close one, anyway, isn't it? Women's slalom, Schiifferin. <laughs> Sunday is the turn for the men in slalom and the women for GS. So men's slalom. Oh, I think
1: Christofferson maybe for slalom. the Men's slalom, so yeah.
0: Because this is—he's not won a slalom all season long. He's and so you think it's, you think it's going he's gonna get it here? Okay. I think I'm gonna go Pantera. I'm gonna switch it around and go for Pantera.
1: So we're basically swapping swapping yeah. between Salon and GS yeah. between us. Yeah, basically.
0: And women's GS.
1: I think Tessa Wally. still what going I say every Tessa. time. Uh, Stop uh, laying me down, Tessa.
0: And I am going to say Ravensburg. Ooh, back again. Yeah. She's skiing well, she's fast. End of the season, good way to sign off. Maybe catch the others napping because they've already been smashing the season. So she's going to be still properly pushing. And then it's World Cup over. And then it seems to, have, seems to have finished pretty quickly. It's been a busy schedule. Busy, busy schedule for the, uh, the races. And I think they'll be looking forward to a well-deserved rest apart from the Brits, who've still got their championships to go. Oh, yeah, let's touch on that. I'm you in for any of those that haven't seen it so far. That Dave Riding was quoted in an interview done in uh, Racer Ready magazine. It came across that Dave was quite unhappy the fact that we were going. The British Championships are being held back in Teane, at a sl- on a slope, at a resort where he doesn't feel we've, we're treated that well. The conditions tend to be bad because the piece that we always use is like under, yeah, yeah, right under the blazing sun. The, the racing isn't able to get off that early because Teane don't open the lifts early enough for us to get it done early. Poke the Hornet's nest at the moment and and social media for for us, for the Brits, is going a bit going a little bit crazy. He then tried to clarify his points in a video post, basically sort of saying that he wasn't having a go at the event as a whole, not having a go at the organisers, because obviously as we know from the British side of things and we know going to other national championships, a lot of national championships survive based on volunteers, based on people giving up their valuable free time to come out and allow us, ex- races, ex-athletes yeah. now, to come and showcase what we've got to do. And Dave was saying that it's you know it's very expensive and, and he doesn't feel like teen give us value for money. But it's tricky. It, it, our championships are very late, and that's due to the fact that Easter's very, late. Easter's very yeah. late for us. And it also means that the schools, and a lot of kids are still at school, whether they're at... The youngsters coming through for the children's championships are in primary school and secondary school, and some of the athletes still race, uh, are still at college, and still have school and educational commitments. So they have to try and make it as open as possible. But if you run two separate championships, that's added costs for flying organisers out for hosting a championships. It's more money to hold two separate events than it is to hold one bigger, longer event. So it's not easy. And I, and I and I'm going out to the British because I'm commentating on it and and i'm really looking forward to going i'm looking forward to seeing some of the br- best british athletes race and some of the deepest talent that we've seen from the united kingdom for a long time yeah i mean i've done i've done a ton, i've done a ton of british
1: champs. of my earliest memories of of ski racing uh sunbathing in teen as a as a yeah. uh, under 11 minis uh age category making my way down the bobsleigh ruts and uh Having a laugh with it, I understand Dave's point of view in as much as you don't want to be racing in terrible conditions when you're the calibre of racer. Davis, you're definitely not used to that. And if the resort aren't giving the championships the respect they deserve, then maybe they should be somewhere else. You know, we've, we've, I've done them in France, and have done them in Austria, um, they've been all over the place. So what you definitely want to make sure is that Beyond the volunteers that are coming out there from the home nation that's hosting the event, you want the resort that you're in to fully support what you're doing. And I remember the years, certainly in in Meribel, when we had lifts open at you know virtually six in in the morning. So in the dark, won't we? That that were also on south facing slopes. You know, if there's if there's a you know resort out there that's north, got a north facing stud that might be a bit nicer, not as great if you're a spectator standing in the shade. But obviously, it's better for the piste but certainly there's there's a lot of conversation out there, and certainly a lot of support for Dave, certainly after the he released the the clarification but from my perspective if you're if you're already releasing apology videos, you're definitely big time now Dave uh, because only real celebrities have to apologize for anything
0: they've said in the media It's hard, and I- re- remember it from a racist point of view, like the same as what you were saying Ben that except you got to go at the start and i to go at the end well but you you want proper conditions, you want to be able to race, you want to be able to show what you're about, you want to be taking a, a title at the end of the day. I mean, Dave made a comment about when, when him and I used to race the championships and other guys from our generation, the older guys all turned up, they didn't have to turn up. The British title doesn't mean anything to the likes of Dave, no one's going to, you know, Dave isn't really making... Sort of improving his stature by becoming British champion. He's he's a World Cup superstar, you know. He yeah. he skis and, and challenges for World Cup podiums. So in reality, the British champs doesn't matter for him. So for for the British championships for Dave are about coming and showing the athletes, meeting the kids, uh, what he's about, and and inspiring the next generation of racers and turning up and you know little Timmy and is coming around and and you know getting to meet Dave Riding. I've seen Dave Riding ski in person, so. And the, and they'll be saying the same for Charlie Raposo, the same for Charlie Guest, the same for Alex Tilley, the same for Jack Gower. You know, these guys winning the British Championships is a nice thing to have. Obviously, it's always nice to to win your national championships, and it's about coming to the event, meeting people, saying thanks to the people that are supporting you. You know, and the British Federation pays a lot of money out uh, to the British team. Whether it's, I mean, not in terms of Higo, here's a whopping great big check. Thank you very much for racing for Britain. in terms of paying for all the coaches, paying for the staff, paying for the, the all, you know, the fuel, the expenses, the travel, paying for everything. So at the same time as this being, you know, not necessarily the best race resort that it could be, but, and maybe that's something that GB Snowsport should be looking at. And if they aren't, I'm sure they certainly will be now I'm hoping that that's not that isn't the reason that they start looking at something the, the fact that Dave has, has mentioned it on social media hopefully that they're aware of the situation already yeah no I I, I
1: get what you're going with it. It, it is making sure you're doing everything you can for the sport certainly in your home country and I'm sure Dave knows that um, like he said he, will, he of course he's going to be there and you know I'm sure he'll absolutely uh, destroy the slalom and the uh, show everyone what world cup racers look like in person
0: let's get behind the athletes let's get behind the young racers because whereas some athletes aren't necessarily excited by the british champs they're going to be a, a hell of a lot more athletes who are buzzing to go to the championships and buzzing to try and come away with a title so i think we need to remember that this is supposed to be fun right Fun for everyone. I always
1: loved the British Champs because it meant everyone that you hadn't seen all season, you knew you were all going to be in the same place at the same time. So if I was racing on the French circuit and you were off in Austria and uh, anywhere else all over Europe, you know when you get to the British, everyone's there. They're the people you benchmark yourself against the most. All of your friends, rivals, competitors, they're all there. And, you know, it's it's always good fun. Uh, And
0: hopefully everyone can have a really good race. Perfect. That's all we've got time for. Until next week, goodbye for now.